from Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. For I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build up houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build build and they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. They shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer that while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So both of my parents are uh, military veterans. Uh, my mom is a veteran of the Air Force, uh, having served as a nurse. Uh, my dad is a veteran of the United States Army, uh, having served as an explosive ordnance uh, technician. And, uh, and so being raised in that environment, uh, we learned a lot of life lessons. Uh, one of my parents loved blowing things up. The other liked putting things back together. And, and the way that we experienced uh, life kind of uh, being raised in that environment was, was always really interesting. And um, they instilled in us different lessons that, that we now try to pass on to our children. And so uh, the other day, um, me and the girls, um, we were reading something about resiliency. And, and they asked me, what is resilience? And I was like, great question. Resilience is the ability to uh, bounce back from something in your life that happened that is uh, unexpected or did not go according to plan or uh, it's an obstacle or a challenge that you encounter and uh, rather running into it and bouncing back, um, you find new ways around it. You continue to to push forward and, and overcome some of those challenges. Basically, resilience is when you hit something difficult in life, uh, your life just doesn't fall apart. And I felt like, man, I had passed on this, this great life lesson. And 
Lavender, my oldest daughter, she looked me right in the eye and said, Dad, I do not have that. (laughs) And I said, but that's okay, because it's a, a life skill that you can learn. It's something that you develop kind of over time. And so uh, resiliency is something that our parents taught us uh, to continue to uh, look for new ways and new solutions, to start with a goal in mind. And even when you hit an obstacle or a challenge, you adapt, you overcome, you find new solutions that uh, you didn't really know exist. My mother taught me the, the value of faithfulness. Uh, one of the things that she enjoyed doing was uh, she would have different projects around the house that she would want to get done, whether it was uh, tearing down some wallpaper in the dining room or uh, taking out a wall that was adjoining two rooms or uh, starting an add-on to the house or a, a project out in the yard. My, my mom had this list of projects that she would like to do, only really what it was was they were projects she wanted my dad to do. But they didn't always get started according to the timeline that my mother had. So what she would do is she would wait till my dad went TDY or uh, my dad went out of town on, you know, a weekend or a couple weeks out in the field or something like that. And she would wait till right after he left. And then y'all, she would go into demolition mode. She'd start tearing down wallpaper. She'd start knocking out walls. She'd start digging up bushes. She would start tearing things apart, not to finish a project, but just get it so far over the line that by the time he got back, he had no other choice but to finish it. She had faith that it would get done. She would have faith that that he knew that as soon as he left town that he had no idea what kind of chaos he would come back to. And yet it always seemed to work out in this really bizarre uh, kind of way that our family kind of did life together. Uh, But the other thing that I really loved about lessons that my parents kind of passed on to me was the power of creation. We don't often give ourselves credit for our ability to create. Y'all, we were made in the image of a creator. And so the power that we have and the power that my parents had taught me that in very uncertain circumstances, uncertain finances, uncertain moves, uh, not knowing what school we were going to be going to year to year and uh, dealing on uh, our life cycle based on rumors of wars and wars that were going on and uh, deployments that came up at different times, they were able to take chaos they were able to take uncertainty they were able to take disappointment and frustration and they were able to put it together with a little bit of faith with a little bit of vision with a little bit of resilience and they were able to weave something together that looked like a loving life and a loving family together They were able to take something that looked like chaos, something that had so many variables you couldn't account for all of them, and were able to make life out of those things. And I still don't know how they did it. And I think in some way, that's some part of the ingredients of how a nurse and a bomb technician uh, somehow came together and eventually had a preacher for a son. My mother still can't wrap her head around what I do for a living. 
But it takes a lot of vision. It takes a lot of faithfulness. It takes a lot of really understanding that most of our lives are lived on hopes and prayers. And we have an ability to change the circumstances that are around us in incredibly divine ways in the image of God. The prophet Isaiah, he's writing here in uh, this particular book in the closing chapters. And and through the 66 chapters of Isaiah, uh, this covers a huge swatch of the history of the people of Israel. This covers all the way from when they were together and man, they thought nobody can stand against us. No wars will ever cross our borders. There is no enemy that will ever invade us. God will always be with us. It covered a portion of their history of going, you guys, those armies are getting pretty close. All of a sudden they're knocking on our doors. Where is God going to save us? Where is God going to be? All the way to the history of them surrounded by rubble and destruction. Their homes and their temples torn down, wondering just where is God in all of this chaos and all of this loss, all the way even to where their invaders took them away and exiled them all the way to Babylon and planted them in the heart of the people who destroyed them, all the way to the history of God carrying them back home where they return home to the homes that were torn down, to the temple that was burned, and they wonder, how do we begin anew? So the prophet Isaiah, he wrote over an entire period of their history, all the way from where things were great, all of a sudden to where they felt like they had no future at all. And here in the last closing moments, in the last closing chapters of this particular book, The prophet begins to write, do you not see what God is doing? While you are still thinking in terms of days and months and years, do you not see that God is rewriting all things to make them new again? While you're looking at whether your home can be rebuilt, God is looking at rebuilding and rewriting and reweaving together all of our story with God. To bring all of us back together into a relationship where God, we're not only just our streets and our homes and our temple will be made new, but all of creation will be made new. And we might not know what tomorrow brings, but we know what the last tomorrow brings. We know where all of this is headed and we know that there is an ultimate goal and an ultimate place in which God desires to be with us and all things will be made new. Why we mourn today on the temporary nature of life, we look forward to a day in which life will be eternal. We look forward to all the things that we built will not be built just so another army can come in and invade them, but we build them because we have a life with God that never ends. The prophet begins to say that there's an ultimate reality to all things. There's a faithfulness that goes beyond that we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next couple of years bring. We don't know what the result of a war or rumors of war to come will be. But we know the ultimate result of all things being made new, coming together into a life with God. That the entire divine work of scriptures, all the way from the first words of Genesis to the last words of Revelation, point to a story in which God is remaking all things that we have taken from God's destruction and tried to make into our own image. 
And God says, I want to make creation back into our image, into us being together again. We say that we're created in the image of God. And that has been interpreted in some toxic and unhealthy ways, and yet that's been interpreted in some amazingly deep ways. And that if we look beyond just what we assume that that means about our appearance and our way of life, really what it seems to indicate is not so much in we're created in what we look like, but we're created in the image of the one who created all things. We are created to be creators as well, to join with God in the remaking of all things, to be the very image of God set loose in this creation, to carry the character and the nature of God into every corner of the world that we go, that we get to be a witness of hope, that we get to be a witness of redemption and of transformation. And that greatest witness that we have is the fact and the evidence that our lives have been transformed first. We get to join together with God to create a better world. We don't just wait around for God. We don't just ask where God is. We look to see where God is working and we start to join together in that work. And we look around and we don't see God working. There might be just an even better case that God is waiting to work through us. That he's waiting for us to be that first example of hope. He's waiting for us to be that first example of joy, of life, and of peace. In a life that's torn apart by division and war, for us to come forward and to be peacemakers. For us to live in such a way that we build the very kingdom of God in a way that looks like God in this world. And so the most faithful question that we have as Christians is, well, what does God look like? And we have struggled with that over the years. The, the Hebrews that waited for Moses while Moses was up on top of the mountain, they decided to cast God in an image. They decided to make a golden calf. All the way through the Gospels and the New Testament, we find out what happens when we try to build a church or we build a, a community or a society that doesn't look like God but begins to look like ourselves. Because our part of creation is as much as God tries to create something, we try to create it back into our image. And y'all, we make terrible gods. We can tell what kind of life we are trying to build. We can tell what kind of life we are trying to create when we look at the fruit of the seeds that we're planting. If you're wondering what kind of life you create, begin to look to see what kind of stories and what kind of fruit that's coming from the actions and the words and the behaviors that you're putting out there. Because when we're building a life that looks like God, those seeds grow into into fruit that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It looks like those fruits of the Spirit that look nothing like ourselves when we're set free to chase after our own agendas and appetites, but they look like the very Spirit of God set free in this world to make all things new again. We have such an incredible power 
that God has given us, when we're shaped in God's image, when we're created in God's image. Have you ever seen how much power you have to make somebody's day or to crush somebody's day? Have you ever seen the power that you have to lift somebody up or to push somebody down? Have you ever seen the power that your words have to encourage people, to build them up, and the power that our words have to tear things apart? And we wonder where that power comes from. And that power comes from the very fact that even our very words are created in the image of the one who spoke all things into existence, whose very words are power. And we get to join God into building something that is bigger than ourselves. Into something that's redemptive, into something that's holy, into something that's just, into something that sets people free. Because ultimately, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what next week brings. And the difficulty of life is when we have one setback after another. Eventually, at some point, we have to try to think that something better is coming along the way. And so faithfulness is not thinking that God is already going to turn our circumstances around tomorrow. It's not all of a sudden that God can rebuild our homes or our streets like Isaiah was saying. But the faithfulness in knowing that God is on that horizon building something that is bigger than anything we can ever imagine. And we get to be a part of that work that begins here today. That begins with vision, that begins with life, that begins with hope, that begins with peace. And this world needs that peace and that hope and that joy more than ever. We have seen what happens when we try to create the world in our own image. When we have tried to take circumstances and situations and weave them into what we think they need to turn out like what we feel like they need to look like. And when those solutions start to look more like us, our world starts to unravel. Isaiah warned the people of Israel about it all the way back in the Hebrew Scriptures, and it holds true even to this day. But when we create a world that looks like God, that looks like the, world, the word of God made flesh, that looks like Christ, that looks like the fruit of the Spirit growing in every corner of our lives, we build something that makes all things new again. All of a sudden, things that seemed hopeless are full of hope. All of a sudden, things that looked broken are full of joy. All the things that were sick and dying are now full of life. And we experience something unlike anything else in this world because what we're experiencing is something brand new. And we get to be a part of that creation and that work, creating with God, even as that begins right here today. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me this morning? 
almighty and gracious God, we don't have the full vision of what tomorrow looks like. And Lord, we can't tell if the next day is going to be best, better than yesterday, but we can tell you, God, that it is headed in that direction. And God, it is headed in that direction because we realize that we are not created to be in our own image, but God, we are created to be in your image. We are ones that hope, um, created to bring hope, ones who take handfuls of chaos, God, and join you in a divine work of making hope and peace. Lord, that divine work created with God until all things are made new, Lord, prepare our hands for that good work. Prepare our days. Lord, that we might build them to look like you, as that can even start today. As we pray all these things, God, help us to answer that question of what world are we building and who does it look like? As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.